Welcome to another episode of Ebagor, the horror movie franchise podcast show channel. What is it? Fuck too far now, mate. We are whatever you want us to be. What do you want us to be today? We're that. Anyway, I'm Damien. And I, I'm Tris. Don't forget to click that like and subscribe button. Our little bell-shaped thing down there. Give that a click. Every time we release new videos, new content, you will be notified. You can drop whatever you're doing and give us all that attention we so desperately crave. Yeah, we are thirsty bitches, you know. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> and now, if you're not watching this on YouTube and instead are listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever other shit you listen to us on, welcome. Yeah, welcome to Ebay Gore, an audio experience. Just relax. Maybe we'll do this AMSR style. Welcome to Ebay Gore. We're reviewing our podcasts. This feels weird. Is this AMSR? I don't know. I don't know why this is so popular. Anyway, fuck AMSR. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking horror movies, and today we are doing. What are we doing, Tris? We are doing. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Halloween 3, Season of the Fucking Witch. Yes, fucking damn right we are. An absolute masterclass in horror cinema. <laughs> okay. So I have actually some thoughts on that one. And to be honest, dude, you may not like them. Really? But, yep. That said, first, what's your history with this movie, dude? Um, first of all, before we go into this, just want to let all you guys know out there, we do spoilers on this show. So if you've not seen Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, 30 or 40 years after it's come out, go check it out. Go watch it now. It is on <laughs> Netflix, I believe. Uh, I watched this on Blu-ray, as I do most movies that I watch. So yeah, my history of this movie, um, it's another one I watched when I was younger. I had seen the first two prior to this. I remember it came on TV, which always fucks me off or fucked me off way back then because <laughs> there was like commercial you know, ad, ad breaks every 20 minutes and it just takes you out of the movie completely. I think it was on Channel 4. So I was surprised that there was no Michael Myers, as most people were. My dad never told me that there was no Michael Myers in this movie before watching it. So all the way through, I was like, <laughs> Is he gonna come? Is he gonna? This is a weird movie. Where's Where's Myers? Where Where is Myers at? But one thing I did love, even at such a young age, was the concept and how dark the whole concept of the movie is. It's far darker than the original Halloween's, in my opinion. You know, with the whole exterminate oh, children yeah. plot going on in there. And it's also <laughs> my first experience of Tom Atkins, and a boy never forgets his first experience with Tom Atkins watching him and it started a unreal man crush of mine that's lasted about 20 years um, absolute man another crush one. on Tom oh, another one one of many but what about you what is your experience with Halloween 3 season of the witch to be honest pretty much like I said with Halloween 2 when we did that the last time I've not really got much history with it I watched the first one not seen any of the other movies. Although I did know that this one, it didn't have Michael Myers in it. It was a little more a journey towards what John Carpenter wanted Halloween to be in the first place. Uh, in the fact that it was more an anthology of things that sort of happened around Halloween. So hence the reason why Michael Myers is not in that. I also knew that it didn't really go down too well with the hardcore Halloween fans from the uh, the first two. So, like a yeah, shit sandwich. <laughs> yeah. 
John Carpenter didn't really think there was anything more to the Michael Myers story after the first one. So, you know, in... <laughs> definitely not after the second one, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, in his words, well, not in his words, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, he kind of phoned it in on the second one, despite the fact I really enjoy it. And yeah, like you said, he wanted to do an annual or like a biannual horror anthology type series with different movies revolving around Halloween. And I would have loved that because Absolutely. looking looking at some of the later horror movies that Carpenter did, especially the low-budget stuff like Prince of Darkness or In the Mouth of Madness, I love those movies. And I would have loved to have seen what he could have brought to the table in terms of uh, in terms of Halloween. It was not written by John Carpenter or Deborah Hill. It was just produced by them. It was written by Tommy Lee Wallace, and it was directed by him as well. I mean, he went on to do Fright Night 2 in the 80s, and he also did It, you know, not the new one, but the original 1990 Tim Curry one. So, you know, he's done stuff. Jamie Lee Curtis does have a cameo, which I will quiz you on later to see if you picked up on it. (laughs) I'm going to bet you don't. Probably not. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot that went on with this movie. There's a lot that went into the production. The script was written and then rewritten a few times. Like I said, we don't go blow by blow by, on the plot, but we'll just give a little bit of an overview on this one just so everyone's got a bit of a uh, bit of a stone to uh, to move around. So, Definitely. Shall we, t- shall we take a look at the uh, sort of like movie poster? Yeah, absolutely. Lay cool. it on me. I quite like it. There you go. Look at that. I like it. I do like it. It's quite cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've got the uh, poster of that. I say if it's like a miniature that came with the box set, it's cool. But I can't put it up in the house though. Is it German or Italian? (laughs) It's Italian, but it is in English. So movie opens with a shop owner and a guy. He's he's being pursued by mysterious men in suits in a car. They try to kill him. They catch up with him. Try throttling him. The dude manages to somehow unwedge a car, and the uh, the man in the suit gets absolutely shit mixed by the car. Do you know um, what I love about that that sort of like first kill scene? Yeah. The car is moving so fucking slowly. I know. The guy just looks at it and goes, Oh, I'm gonna die now. And yeah. there you go. It's not gonna give him whiplash that he could have literally pushed it off with his hands, but hey ho. It's, it's not it's not the most convincing. I'll I'll will concede not that all. to you. It's not the most convincing. For a first kill as well, you know, that's the one that you want to really whet your appetite. It's not the best first kill, is it? No, but I tell you what does whet my appetite is the score to this movie. It's one of my favourite John Carpenter scores. It's really, like, electronic and um, really electro-synth. It kind of reminds me of, like, you know... Yeah, the old, it's pretty good. Yeah, you know, like the old Sega Mega Drive games, like Streets of Rage, <laughs> Terminator versus Robocop, that kind of that electro-synth stuff that... Because this movie kind of, it's got vibes of video games for me. Like, oh, it's very, absolutely. Definitely. It's very like, this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. It's, it's very level-orientated. That definitely wet my appetite. Um, did I also mention that this is set on October 23rd? So obviously we're on a run-up to Halloween with this. The guy makes it to a petrol station. There's like a TV plane and we find out that someone's nicked one of the stones from Stonehenge, which is a feat uh, in its fucking self. Absolutely. How the hell did they do that? Aside from that, this was the point where I was thinking, okay, we're in the petrol station. Oh, dear. Traditional horror movie. Black dude's going to die first. He didn't. I, I know. I know. Awesome. Yeah, no, but he doesn't really have a huge part to play in this either, does he, really? He kind of appears really. and then disappears just as quick as he entered. We also, like, the guy collapses in the petrol station. Now, he only had, like, a really small fight with the dude, didn't he? <laughs> like, he was trying to strangle him and then pulls the car thing out, crushes him and... And all of a sudden, yeah, he'd he ran a long way. 
you know, if I'd ran that far, I'd probably be collapsing as well. Yeah, maybe. But he does end up in, in hospital, and that is where we meet Dr. Dan Chalice, played by none other than Tom Atkins. Quick fact for you, Tris. Did you know that if you whisper Dr. Dan Chalice into a girl's ear, it will result in pregnancy 100% of the time? Really? Absolutely. It's just a fact. He's got that effect on women, apparently. Maybe it's the moustache. It is a beautiful moustache. I do love the stash. It is the ultimate porn stash, I would say. <laughs> um, and he's kind of fucked his ex-wife and kids off just to go back into the hospital. Because he could turns up, doesn't he, to, uh, to his ex-wife and kids and gives them the masks. And then they're yeah, like... They're, now, they're shit 50p masks from Tesco. <laughs> yeah, they are, aren't they? They're really shit-looking <laughs> masks. It's a typical... Um, distant father gift and he's probably picked it up from from a petrol station on his way to uh to, to drop I, did, I did notice that they were in sort of the traditional american sort of brown paper bag which normally hides like a booze bottle but in this case it was like some really shit masks but of course the, the kids had already got their masks from mum hadn't they and she's she seemed like a bit of a harsh bitch to be honest yeah but... fact about the ex-wife that is annie from halloween one Annie Bracken, the uh, the girl that, that dies. Yep. I think she doesn't die first. Or she, maybe she dies first. I don't know. Either she, she rocks up in quite a lot of John Carpenter movies. That's a nice little side one. But yeah, we do. She She's bought the silver shamrock masks and we get that oh, first yeah. intro. Oh, dude. Look, look at these. Look at that. So much better than the 50p Tesco masks. You know, there's a nice little nod to this in Halloween Kills, the new one. I'll, I'll not give too much away, but there's a, there's a nice little Easter egg for Halloween 3 in that movie, which is cool. We also get introduced to the greatest commercial in existence. The do 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 say more day to Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Say more day to Halloween, Silver Shamrock. God, that's fucking annoying. Silver Shamrock. It is an earworm. It gets stuck in your head. And it just goes on, and it's just it's there. So it, it's just there through the entire movie yeah. concert. Even the actors get pissed off with it at certain times. <laughs> but yeah, so he's in the hospital, and Doctor Pornstash rocks up and sees um, the guy, and the guy starts raving, saying they're going to kill us all, which is really vague, not very helpful to the plot. But he's right because Mister Suitman has actually tracked him down to the hospital and kills the shit out of him. Good kill. Not bad. Not bad. It's better I mean, than grabs him, one, definitely. Uh, grabs him by the nose and rips the bone from his skull. I mean, I, you don't see the bone, it's but you definitely hear the... Yeah, I like it. It's a good one. But then he just walks outside, Mr. Suitman, and blows himself the fuck up in the car, which, again, it does add to the mystery. There's a lot to keep you guessing early on in this movie. You don't really know. Hell of a lot. Too and and yeah. as, you, as you sort of go through the movie as well, you realise there's a hell of a lot going on hell of a lot of subplots and a hell of a lot of different things going on and yeah you're right early in this movie you're a bit like what the fuck is happening here yeah it right. does keep you guessing absolutely it, it, it keeps it keeps your interest it's not predictable him dying helps us further the plot because we are introduced to ellie who is his daughter who comes in asking questions about his death and about the mysterious masks she's what early 20s absolutely stunning so obviously Dr. Pornstash just cannot let this opportunity pass up. So he calls his ex-wife. She is pretty stunning. True. I don't think there's a woman in this movie that he's not either fucking or trying to fuck. Like the nurse, (laughs) the the nurse at the beginning who's helping him, like when he's walking away, puts his hand on her ass. And then there's the ex-wife. So you would assume that there's been some sort of intercourse gone on in their history. And then there's Ellie, 
There's also the nurse that does all the research for him. You see them sharing a kiss. Even he's oh, definitely a womanizing character, isn't he? Absolutely. Even the extras. Do you know, like that Marge Gutter or Gutter or whatever, the, the woman who gets lasered to death later on in the movie. That's his real wife. That's actually Tom Atkins' real wife in real life. So there's very few female characters in this movie that he's not got into. With a tash like that. Yeah, with great tash comes great responsibility, obviously. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah he kind of tells his ex-wife and kids to suck it and decides to join her on an absolute insane road trip um, to find out what happened to Ellie's dad I think he's more interested in just trying to nail her but if he can find out who killed the the dad in the meantime he wants the pussy he does he's such he's such an everyman as well like it's crazy I'm not sure in what world women everywhere want to fuck Tom Atkins I, I mean, he's not Stallone or Schwar- Schwarzenegger or any of the... You know, the he's definitely movies. punching. He's definitely punching with this one. 100% punching. I'm a huge fan of Tom Atkins. He's such a massive staple of the 80s horror. You know, he was in The Fog and Night of the Creeps and Maniac Cop. And I think he was... Maybe, he's in that, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's maybe. not the only massive thing he's got. Maybe that's he has a point. massive weapon. <laughs> So obviously she's on board and practically falls into bed with him as soon as they get to the motel, which is in Santa Mira, which is like a small town near where the Silver Shamrock factory is. And there we meet... This is literally like every holiday resort, every city, anywhere. You can always find a little like Irish part to it, can't you? It doesn't matter Mm. if it's New York, they've got lots of Irish bars. It doesn't matter if it's Benidorm, lots of sun, lots of Irish bars. No matter where you go, you can always find an Irish pub and it's brilliant this place we kind of we get introduced to buddy and his family they're kind of like this american nuclear family type thing he's really overly friendly nearly kills tom atkins actually with the uh with the bike as soon as he get like he crashes his rv nearby tom atkins goes off to find out if ellie's dad's been there which he finds out and then they decide to uh, she, like she's quite keen on going to explore Silver Shamrock, but he's playing it cool here, and he's like, "No, let's get let's get a motel room. I'm tired. Let's take our time." And then he's like, "He wants he, what, wants, he wants to put on the Barry White. He does, and he's like, "I'll sleep on That's the floor. I'll sleep in the car. Let's she, get it on." It's such a sleazy moment. Like she, he's like, "I'll go sleep in the car," and she's just like, "Where do you want to sleep, Doctor Chalice? That's a dumb question." <laughs> they just, they just, and that's a theme in all Tom Atkins like films. In in the fog, <laughs> he's starring opposite Jamie Lee Curtis, and she's in bed with him within ten minutes of meeting him in the movie. The Maybe it's like a clause in his contract that you know he has to attract every female in the movie. A bit like Jason Statham and The Rock have clauses in their contract when they're doing their action movies that they cannot die. Maybe his is literally, I have to bed every woman in this movie. Maybe. You know what, though? In real life, he's, he seems like such a cool guy. Like, he's on that In Search of Darkness documentary that I, that I rave about so often. And he's just, like, so down to earth. I mean, he's, like, 80-odd years old now. And, like, he's so funny and down to earth. still betting the 18-year-olds. Yeah, still still pounding it. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, they end up in bed. And then things start happening. There's, there's, there are issues with pacing in this movie. Yeah. There's a curfew at 6, 6 p.m. for some reason, which we never find out, which nobody adheres to either because Tom Atkins just walks straight out the door to explore, speaks to a homeless dude. Ellie manages to find Marge Guttridge, or I can't remember the surname, but Marge, who's a sales rep, 
is complaining about the quality of the masks. Things start happening from here. So I think Marge is like looking in her room, isn't she? She's looking at the uh, at the tag that she finds, and like this eighties laser comes shooting out and just rips into her face. And I will say, I think the gore effect is pretty good. You know, when her face is all mangled and like the bug crawls oh, out, it, it like goes on like full on predator. It like opens up. Yeah, and it's like yeah, and then all of a sudden this little like weird freaky spider thing crawls out, and it's a bit like ew. Yeah, it's, fu- it's yeah, pretty grim. pretty good gore. You've missed the uh, Jamie Lee Curtis cameo around here. You know, she does the voice on the tannoy that's announcing the curfew. So she's not a physical appearance, but she does the voice on the tannoy. That's Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, on that. That's why I missed it. Yes, that is 100% why you missed it. But yeah, so Marge is dead next door. It's really funny because like, as she dies, like Dr. Chalice is in bed with Ellie. And Ellie hears the death next door. And she's like, oh, what's that? And he's like, who fucking cares? And just goes back to boning. Let's get it on. I'm sure he spends at least 40% of this movie boning. But it's yeah, like I, dream. true that. So after that happens, he goes outside and Marge has been wheeled out. And she, he's like, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. Let me in. There's a female here. I've not boned. Let me check this out. Um, <laughs> and Connell Cox. I'm on it. <laughs> I don't think she has got a pulse, to be fair. But not Connell looking Co- at the scene before. No. Connell Cochran rocks up and says, no, she's, she's going to get the very best care over at the, uh, over at the factory. I'm not sure if they've got a medical sensor up there or something. But yeah, they, uh, they do that. The next day, Dr. Chalice and Ellie go up to the factory and get a tour. They, they're with Buddy and his family. And that little kid is a little shit. Um, like, he's just going in there messing with all the masks. Like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Typical bratty kid. And then I think they head back. And they, ended up getting, they end up getting... Kid- Ellie gets kidnapped. And Chalice gets attacked by what we found out, find out to be a robot. Like, at this stage, everything goes out the weird. fucking... Yeah, so he beats like one of the men in suits comes and attacks Doctor Chalice, and he ends up beating him and like I think he does he rip his hand into his stomach and there's like yellow blood coming out and shit. Uh, it's a bit like Phantasm, a hell yeah, of the yellow blood. thing. Yeah, uh, but then he gets surrounded by a few more. It, it sort of features uh, a lot as well, doesn't it? It features a lot, sort of like further in the movie as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and. It's at this stage that I find it quite weird because he's got Teddy, the nurse at the hospital, doing some research on the ashes that came from the first suit guy blowing himself up early on in the movie. And she realises that it's come from a robot or something, but she finds out like after we know about it. So it's really, again, this is going to say problem with pacings with the movie. It's really ineffective because like that should come like that should be the way we find out with her. But it's like at this stage, we found out that it's a robot because of Dan Chalice. She finds out and then just gets drilled in the head by another man in suit. <laughs> and then we come back to Colonel uh, Colonel Cochran, who is like a Bond villain. He really is. Did you get those vibes from? Because he announces his entire evil plot. Yeah, yeah, definitely discussing that evil plot. Yeah, he's just a bit creepy. Just in he general, is. there's just something about him. It's a bit like. That's not right, and you get that early on. As soon as he appears, you just, you can just tell he's he's kind of an interesting character though as well because you want to know more. You do, and they do keep it really vague, and the motivations Absolutely. aren't massive. Mass- yeah, they're not massively clear. I mean, essentially, Silver Shamrock and Cochrane are like fronts for a, a witch's coven, an ancient witch coven from Ireland, and he says that you know years and years ago 
back in the old country on Halloween. It was uh, it was a festival of the dead, which was Samhain, and they would like sacrifice kids, and it would be all kinds of fucked up. But nowadays, everyone's super woke. Everyone's super soft. There's no ritualized murder of children, so he's going to put that right. He's developed this huge super evil genius plan with these super evil genius masks, and he's gonna he's gonna sacrifice all the children on Halloween. Well, for... well ahead of its time. Amazing Anthony. microchip hologram branding on there. You know, <laughs> computers which can do better things than what we can do now. Yeah, a yeah, bit witches. of a mess. It's witches, so they can do all this shit. <laughs> technically warlocks, but, you know, we'll not get into that. Basically been using the Stonehenge rock, chipping bits off and putting them in the microchips, and that's where the evil power's coming from. So they're about to kill Dr. Chalice, but before they do, obviously, they want to give him a guided tour of the evil lair. So they Absolutely. bring him to the uh, to the room where Buddy and his family are watching some new promotional material just before they leave. And they've got the young kid with the mask on, the pumpkin mask, and then the advert starts. And again, I find this to be an awesome, awesome death. Snakes, you it's know, the kid grabs his head. Definitely creepy. Oh, it is. Yeah, nice, nice shot. And it's it's so dark when you think about it. Like it's a young kid whose head has been mutated into snakes and bugs. And I know it's stupid to think about it. But when you watch it, like it definitely had an impact on me as a kid because kids are kind of sacred in movies. Aren't like you don't kill kids oh, in yeah. movies very often. And this, this one literally like rips that up. But where the fuck did these insects and everything come from? That's the only thing that gets bro. me at this point. Yeah, I, I know. But it's you know what I said previously. I like my horror to be a little bit realistic. I like it to be a little bit ergonomic. And this is the point where it all goes a little bit like a bit freaky. And I'm sat there thinking, fucking hell, how the hell did they get all them insects in there? It's a bit like I'm a celeb. When you're dealing with witches, you can just say magic and it can cover a, a whole range of continuity issues. Like, for instance, the mother <laughs> just dies of fright, which is not something you can die from. Um, the dad gets bit <laughs> yeah, by a rattlesnake. <laughs> yeah, literally like on the leg. It's a bit gentle. Yeah. A little bit on the leg. Oh, dear. yeah, just, just, just a quick little bite. Early horror movie death where that one strike is all it takes to you know take them out. But yeah, you're right with the mum, like literally like, oh my god, my son's turned into an insect infested snake pit. And literally, that's it. She melts into death. Yeah. And then they finally decide to dispose of uh, Dan Chalice. So instead of killing him quickly, like any evil uh, villain would do normally, they um they put a mask on him and sit him in a room ready to watch the advert to uh, turn his head into snakes. But fucking Dr. Chalice is as good as James Bond and manages to whip the mask off and like toss it. That, that's, I wonder how many takes it took. Yeah, to... that, that, that was beautiful. How we just literally like flipped it. There it was straight on the camera in perfect position to literally. It's like, got oh, it's it's, to be the moustache. Oh, Surely perfect, it's got to be the moustache. It must be the gift, you know, the best giftiest moustache ever. If that gives you that kind of talent, I'm, I'll tell you what, November's coming. I am, I'm growing it. I'm having a chalice tash. A chalice tash. I think you should. It's I'm gonna, gonna get one of those fake ones and stick it on the mask. <laughs> yeah, the but that's just because one. you can't you've literally like got like bump fluff. Hair doesn't grow on plastic, bro. This is my real face from now on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> chalice is... no listeners, viewers, he's literally twelve under there. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Dr. Chalice escapes the old death room, just finds his way to some rafters and starts dumping all the microchips down on the robots, and somehow that kills them. 
don't know how. I mean, Marge managed to yeah, kick one I, up I'm earlier. Still trying, I'm still trying to figure that out. It was like some kind of weird like deflection. It's literally like kills all the robots, all those androids and everything just gone with a box of microchips. How many microchips were in that box? He seemed to be pouring them for like ever. I know, and it was Halloween as well, so why are they still there? Like, it's two minutes from being aired. Are these all spares? Have he returns? Why are they even there? Surely they should be out on masks being delivered to the general public. <laughs> You'd expect that, given what the plot is, but I also quite like that they've got this nice little circle of computers. Mm. And I, I don't know if you noticed it, but it was kind of organised a little bit like Stonehenge. Yeah, I did Was that, that intended? I don't know. I didn't. I, I haven't read anything on that. But also, Colonel Co- uh, Connell Cochran, he called him Colonel Cochran. Connell Cochran gets killed just by the Stonehenge rune. Like, he starts clapping Chalice and then just disappears and gets killed by the Stonehenge stone. I, I don't know how it happens or why it happens, but it happens. Um, <laughs> and then Chalice leaves and bumps into Ellie. And they find her tied up. So they start driving back. And then Ellie is a robot. She's been made into a robot and starts attacking him. And uh, he has to decapitate her. It doesn't really, work. I think that's quite harsh. Decapitation doesn't even work because she fucking gets straight back up and starts yeah, attacking the, the shit. arm. Like comes like attacks him, and then yeah, there's just no killing that thing. No, exactly. And then he ends up at the petrol station from the beginning. He rings up all the TV station or rings up one number which seems to have access to be able to pull. <laughs> how did he get that number? And how did he get yellow pages? We don't have that anymore. Directory inquiries. We've just got Maureen or 118 and then dudes invests. You know, we used to have the yellow pages. There's definitely no number for the central TV system that would pull programs <laughs> or adverts at your command. And but to his, you can't to even his, Google that shit. Exactly. To his credit. I mean, it must have been a video call and she must have seen his stash and just instantly swooned because he manages to get the first two adverts pulled. But then the third one is still on and he's, you know, the film ends with him shouting, switch it off, switch it off, switch it off. And then it fades to black and so ends Halloween 3 season on The Witch. I Great hate movie. this film for that very last scene. I need to know, did the kids well, die? the original movie... Sorry, the original idea, original cut, was it was going to fade to black and they were going to have screams of children. It was going to end with the screams of children and the screen fading to black, which I would have absolutely loved. I would have thought that was like the <laughs> darkest thing you could possibly end on. But they thought it were too dark and they wanted to leave it ambiguous as to, to what happened. I remember being irritated by it as well. But I, I love this movie. I, you know, I think it's a fucking great movie. Just going to have a look at my notes, see if there's any more talking points. So, um, so yeah, one thing I want to talk about this one is I think the standard of kills in this one are really good on the whole. Yeah, the first one's really weak. And there's some silly ones like the old woman that's in the rocking chair whose head falls off, which I think is really funny, but obviously she's a robot. <laughs> it, is, it is a comedy moment. Yeah, and Ellie's decapitation as a robot is a bit silly, but, you know, the one in the hospital where the, the robot guy grabs hold of the nose of the guy and just yanks it and rips it, I think that's a really brutal one. There's a woman who's uh, messing with the laser and just gets her face all smashed up and all the bugs, and then kid getting his head turned into snakes and stuff. All really dark stuff. I wouldn't say, it's not the most brutal thing you're going to see, but for the 80s, I, I think they're definitely up there with some of the best kills. Yeah, I, mean, I think the thing to remember about this one, it's not a slasher. 
No, they've, they've not, not gone no. down that same route of a third sequel where it's exactly the same as the first two, just with a little bit of difference thrown in. What they've tried to do is they've tried to actually go back to what Carpenter initially wanted Halloween to be, which was an anthology of different scenarios around the Halloween event, totally different in each film. And they've tried to go back to that with this one. Unfortunately for them, they've, they've ignored the fact that they've created a really, really good horror villain but they've kind of moved away from that one and it is it's about witchcraft there's you know there's androids in there there's so much different things going it on it throws a lot of the wall see what it's, sticks doesn't it yeah exactly that it's literally like throwing everything at the wall see what sticks i know people didn't like it because everybody had fallen in love with this michael myers and everything else and the critics didn't like it because it it didn't follow on it it had no continuity from the first two films but as a standalone film i actually i quite like it It wasn't predictable. You had no idea where it was going, even right up to the end. And the very final shot, you don't know what's actually happening. You don't know whether the kids died. Did they die? Did they not? I don't know. If you think about it, shit, that's really dark. That's really creepy. The the fact that there was no predictability about any of this film, you did not know at any point where it was going. Yeah, and I think when you're talking about the Myers connection, I think if Halloween 3 was Halloween 2, then people would have looked at this in a much different light. You did Halloween 1, which was a shape. If if this had been Halloween 2, then you would have established the rules that this is an anthology-type yeah, movie series absolutely. where one the first year is Myers, then now it's Season of the Witch. But the thing is, I think once you do the sequel to Halloween 1 and in Halloween 2 with Michael Myers, you've then established that Michael Myers is Halloween and Halloween is Michael Myers. So do, yeah, then doing got, the third um, one. The villain is is the franchise, essentially. Yeah, by doing and it makes no to... sense to move away from that after you've already done two. I think if this had been the second one, we'd have been talking about this in a, in a different light. Yeah, it was panned by That's critics, it. and it is very divisive amongst fans. But, I mean, it made money. I mean, it made it, it was on a budget of $2.5 million, and it made nearly $15 million. So it was a long way from a financial flop, but it yeah. obviously didn't do the same kind of numbers that Halloween 1 and 2 did. But yeah, I love the darkness of it. I, I, I think a lot of people miss this. We look at the corniness and some of the story plot points and the issues of the pacing, and they, they kind of forget that this is, at its heart, this is a film about child genocide. You know, this is a film about <laughs> a coven of witches plotting to murder children across America. Maybe if the film focused a little bit more on that, then it might have been a bit more scarier than it was because as much as I love this film, I don't find it that scary. Do we want to look at rating this motherfucker? Yeah, I mean, as a standalone, I really like this film. If I'm looking at it in terms of the franchise, then like everybody else, the critics and everything, yeah, probably a little bit disappointed. But I think overall, for what it is, it's a totally different story. It's part of the whole ethos of the anthology and everything else that you know carpenter wants to create there then i'm actually quite positive about this film if i'm honest which i didn't think i would be thinking about what the press was around the time i'm gonna give this a solid seven grueling snake infested insect infested corpses in a mask out of ten decent that's a better mark than i expected you to give it to be fair I'm going to gush over this movie. I absolutely love this movie. It's one of the very few movies that when I put it on, gives me a genuine feeling of warmth, which is very weird to say it's about killing kids. Oh, it's like Christmas, killing the kids. 
Oh, it's like makes me few... warm and fuzzy inside. Oh, absolutely! It just tickles my little black heart. But um, <laughs> no, I, I genuinely love this film. It's got Tom Atkins, who is one of my favourite actors in horror. It's got. I think it's got a. <laughs> yeah, poor. It's got a great <laughs> score. It's got some good kills. No, it doesn't have Michael Myers. No, I don't give a shit about it. It keeps you guessing. There's a lot of pacing issues and there's a lot of plot holes. But like I said, for me, this is an absolute nine women wanting to fuck Tom Atkins out of ten. It's an absolute... Our rating system <laughs> is absolutely broken already because I cannot look at these movies objectively. I'm grading from the heart and this is an absolute nine out of ten. And, and this is where I'm kind of going to destroy all of your dreams right here, right now. Because obviously we're marking that as a film on its own. If we're marking it in terms of the, the franchise, I'm probably going to destroy it and I'm not going to give it any more than like a three. But I'm looking at it Whoa. standalone. So, yeah. That's what I give <laughs> to you. I've, 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 broke your, I've broke your little Halloween three loving heart. <laughs> you firmly. Go you love it yourself. that much. In terms of Halloween movies, this is still a nine out of ten. You know, I, I rate this higher than the original, which That's is what which fucks is a me big off thing. so much. Because I think if they'd have actually, and you said it earlier, if they'd have done this film as a second film, it would have been a cracking way to carry on that anthology. But right now we've had one and we've had two, and then we have this weird Halloween three doesn't fit with anything beforehand. So. I think if you look at it as a standalone chapter in the franchise, yes, it's a good film. But if you're looking at the franchise as a whole, it, it's literally, it doesn't fit. That's a massive shame because I think if they'd have continued down that whole ethos that Carpenter wanted to do and actually having these whole, that anthology, like he wanted, different scenarios around things that happened on Halloween, it would have been far better than what we've ended up with. You know, dude, something worries me. We've started with Halloween. Because we're cashing in on Halloween Kills. <laughs> but we've gone pretty controversial in both of us rating Halloween 3 higher than the fucking original. I'm just feeling all those unsubscribe buttons and thumbs down buttons <laughs> as, as we go. You know, I don't care. This is not an objective report. This is how we feel about it. And Halloween 3 is the fucking superior movie so far. So what are we doing next week, Tris? What's on the agenda? Uh, so I think we have to go chronologically, don't we? And we have to uh, we have well. to look at the we have to look at the next one, and we have to see what the fourth instalment is going to give us. Which... The return of Michael Myers. Yeah, and I am looking forward to seeing how the fuck they managed to do that. How the fuck can they even bring him back after what happened at the end of two? We will find out next week. Don't forget to get us on social media, facebook.com forward slash ebygore, Twitter and Instagram at ebygore, or you can catch us by email at ebygore at gmail.com. Let us know Definitely. what you think in the comment section. If you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could rate and review us, we would much appreciate that. Let us know what you think, and we will see you guys next week for Halloween 4. Bye. <sighs>